is never the underdog. Yes, sir. He's never the underdog. Yes, sir. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. Got a special guest with us again today. Welcome in, uh, Brian Horace, uh, creator of Duke Bloggers. Uh, really, I reached out to, on, uh, to Brian on Twitter, wanted to get him to come on. Um, Brian, I don't want to age you or date you or misinterpret anything, but I feel like I've been looking at Duke Blogger for, God, it feels like 15 years or so now. Maybe that's me just being a little bit kind of... Uh, behind the times here but it feels like you've been doing this for a long time so i'll hand it over to you you can introduce yourself and kind of talk a little bit about duke blogger and how that kind of started for you yeah certainly uh yeah you're about right it's been about 15 years or so um just uh decided that uh i wanted to talk about duke basketball and being a web developer by trade it seemed like a good uh a good way you know good place to start using my skills in that uh, in that vein and yeah, started off with some crazy, you know, GeoCity sites and things like that. Mm-hmm. And started building my own, and uh, yeah, here we are. And that was, I think, right around the time of like Duke Blue Planet was starting to get going, and this was kind of the, like what the Greg Paulus, you yeah, know, post JJ, yeah, post yeah. JJ Duke years, yeah, um, yeah. Went to kind of an unfortunate time to jump in, I guess, and start things. But, you know, hey, it worked out a couple of years down the road later. Yeah, so how long have you been kind of following Duke? Or is this like a childhood fandom for you? Did you stumble across him later on in life? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I was I was a kid. I would say um, a little before the Redick era, I, they just were the first team I ever saw play. Mm. And just seeing Kate on the sidelines and the way he commanded the team, it just stuck with me throughout my childhood. and. Yeah, so yeah, I've been a fan since you know early in grade school. You had a favorite kind of Duke player or somebody that like other than K that was like, "Ooh, I like this guy," or "I like the way that he plays," or what he's doing on the floor. It's always been Grant for me, just because he's from the area that I live in, and you know we've we've run across each other just in passing when he was at uh when he was in high school. So yeah, it's always been Grant for me. Obviously, before that, a little bit you know Leitner and and Hurley, but once Grant got there, I was you know that was like, okay, this is. This is it. This is the only team I want to watch. Do you still look? Did you still point to Grant as the best player to ever come through Duke? You know what? I do. <laughs> I do. I mean, in terms of, you know, what he did, his versatility, you know, his NBA career as well, I, I definitely put Grant up there at, at the top. For sure. Even I, the <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, those first, well, I think we talked about it too. Those first like five or six years of Grant in the league were just unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, doing th- that was like the pre-LeBron, right? Of like that that kind of player on the wing, and how popular um, he was. He was like beating MJ in All Star votes. You know, yeah, had the crazy. shoes too. You yeah. know, did you have the custom Grants when you were yeah, good? You got to have the Felas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had had the Grants. Um, so you you mentioned you kind of started kind of using your your web development skills, and but when did it become kind of what it is now? Like you've been doing this fifteen plus years. Like how do you sustain that? Like what? What's your kind of vision for for Duke Blogger? Yeah, it's always been <clears throat> mostly just me being a huge fan and doing it for myself. You know, I mean, it started to really, you know, get a bit of a following in the last maybe seven or eight years or so, which is great. I was always going to do it whether one person read or 15 people read. It was just more for myself. And 
definitely in the last five to seven, it's sort of picked up. And I think with the with the onset of Twitter being a real popular medium for people, where you get to you know re, you know interact with people one on one a little more, I think that's when things started to really take off. Yeah, it seems like Twitter just for basketball discussion in general. Uh, you know, that's the place you go to talk about the NBA. That's the place you go to talk about college basketball too. Yeah, it definitely beats like the, the comment section on a on a post or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really kind of damn it. A lot of the, like, I mean, the devil's den has been pretty well off and been able to sustain that, but a lot of like message boards, even like, and I still do this a little bit, I guess, but like I was on Reddit for a long time doing like NBA Reddit and stuff over there. And I've kind of migrated over to, to Twitter or what are they calling it these days? X, X. I guess is what it is. So we'll, we'll see, maybe it'll <laughs> change again. Um, so obviously you've been following it for a while here. What let me kind of two part here. One, were you surprised that John Shire was the one to become the successor to Kay? And then two, kind of what did you kind of make of that transition? How did you like the way that it was announced and set up? Obviously, there was some controversy in the in the media on that. What was your kind of take on that stuff? I've always wanted Shire to take over. Not, I mean, not like maybe 10 years ago, but like within the sure. last three or four years, the way he's recruited. The way he's done a lot of in-game coaching, it's like it seemed to me to be a no-brainer. I mean, why do you bring in? I mean, even someone that may have been in the quote-unquote brotherhood to come in, it would still seem like a new thing for them because Shire's been there on the bench. He's been there, right. you know, and he's he's seen you know players come, players go. He's been a lot of the you know the main recruiting contact for a lot of these guys that are in the NBA now. It just seemed like a no-brainer to me. I mean, why would you bring someone else in, even if they're a more experienced coach? it's still almost starting anew. Whereas yeah. with Shire, he can, you know, sort of take the, the reins and sort of perpetuate what's already there. And I think that was honestly a brilliant move by Kay to yeah. uh, sort of anoint Shire as the, as the next. Yeah. Well, e even um, I guess there was a little bit of like talk about the Amaker situation, but it sounded like that even if it wasn't going to be John, that Kay really wanted whoever that person to be, to leave whatever they were doing and to kind of come sit on the bench for a year, right? To like, hey, come be my associate head coach. And and so I think John's definitely qualified. I think what he's done on the trail and what, what he did last season speaks for itself already. But it really kind of these last 10 years, it's kind of maybe just more about opportunity, right time, right place type thing. I think you could make the argument that if this was 15 years ago, it's probably JD's to lose, right? Johnny Dawkins. If you go a few years further, maybe it's Wojo or Collins or if he retires in 2017 or 18, maybe it's capable, you know, so yeah. it, it could really have been anybody maybe in that position. Um, but I think what John has done intentionally in terms of kind of not rebranding the program, but even in like 18 months or so, there's already a different kind of feel. There's already a different kind of availability and what they're doing. Um, I've obviously shout out to Dave Bradley and his squad too, for what they're putting out, but it seems to be this intentional thing of getting getting us kind of front and center. Um, and so let's, I guess I'll kind of transition real, real quick here. What did you make of that first season? Did that meet your expectations? Kind of, it was a little bit of a roller coaster there. What was your kind of takeaways? If you had to give a grade to John in season one, where'd you kind of come out? I think with the, with, you know, with all the adversity that he's, that he faced in that first, in this first season, I definitely give him an A plus because it was not easy. I mean, you're always going to deal with things as a head coach, but coming in and dealing with, you know, injuries to your top guys, you know, and a lot of, honestly, a lot of odd treatment by, by the referees this season as well. 
this past season as well. And he, he kept himself together. He didn't, he didn't let it, you know, leak out into his, into his own performance. He was, you know, intentional about what he did. As you mentioned, he, you know, he didn't, he knew, okay, well, I can, I can be this guy that gets a bunch of texts, but is that going to be the best thing for this squad? I mean, he's very intentional about everything he does. And so far he's made every choice. I think he's made has been the right choice. And I think he's uh, very in tune to what the players need. And I think that was, I think the best thing he's done since he's been there is really honing in on what those players need at any given time. I think that's really wholly responsible for the turnaround, you know, that happened after the, you know, the Miami and the, and the Virginia games. I think, he understands what his team needs. And I think that's probably one of the best things he's done since he's been there. And he basically even said that when we got to speak with him, I think, you know, I I have, and Chu definitely has been a little vocal about like wanting to see the fire come out, right? Like we know how competitive he is, but sometimes we wanted to see it. And he kind of just said, he was like, you might see that next year, but like where our team was at, where our guys was at, we have a lot of young guys, a lot of turnover in the roster. Um, it sounded like it was intentional to say like, no, I'm going to be straight faced. I'm not going to ride waves. I'm not going to get too high, too low, just kind of cool, calm, collected. Um, and I think that really started to, to impact the guys too. I mean, that 10 game winning streak, they really just kind of got on a roll there. Uh, let me flip it for you. So that's a, a plus form. But now that that's been established, what is the expectation coming into this season with Basically, you returned three of those guys. You add a top class in. What is it going to take to get an A plus this year? Yeah, I, I think similarly to last season, he's got to be again in tune to what his team needs. Now he's got to meld these freshman, you know, stars with these stars that are already there. So I'm curious how he does that, you know. And, and obviously, a lot of team building this off season is going to help and, and has helped so far. So I think. For him going into this season, I think you you have to at least you know to put a number on it. I guess get get you know get past that second round, obviously in the uh, in the tournament. Um, I'd like to see them win the ACC this year. I think they have the team to do it. Obviously, a lot of things can happen between now and and, and March, but um, I think and, and it's hard to hold coaches to this sort of standards. Like, well, you you did this this year. You have to take a step forward this year. It's it's a little it's a little tough to, to put them you know to hold them to that standard but I think you know winning the ACC again getting a little further in the tournament I, I think those are you know those are, those have to be the goals this year fingers crossed we wouldn't have the same kind of adversity or injury luck as last year you know generally it feels like that doesn't happen two years in a row so knock on wood of course but if the team is healthy I would at least like to see uh them end up with like a one or a two seed for me that would be like the successful regular season and then we'll see what happens in the tournament yeah that'd be that'd be great and that you know and the you know the better he does the less other coaches are going to have an ammunition to you know negatively negatively recruit against him yeah a lot of they can come in and say hey he hasn't done anything he hasn't done anything well yeah now he's done something and the more he does this year again that sort of you know ups his little resume toward recruits as well so yeah um, I want to go back to something we had kind of said earlier, uh, the idea of 
um, the brotherhood and bringing someone of those in. Another thing that's kind of been intentional, maybe not intentional, but just the net is a little wider as he's been very willing to go outside of that for like coaches. So last year he brings in Jay Lucas. And then we obviously just heard, I guess that was a couple of days ago or last week, he brings in Emmanuel Dildy from Oklahoma. What do you make of that? Do you like, I'm personally a fan of kind of going outside of that and casting a little bit of a wider net. So you don't insulate yourself with kind of yes men to, to, you know, to say maybe that's a bad term for it, but what do you make about kind of extending that that approach to going outside of the brotherhood to bring in a coach Lucas and a coach Dildy? Yeah, I've always been a fan of it. I mean, obviously there are a lot of advantages to bringing in someone who's been in the program and who's you know who knows what the expectations are. But I think getting an outside perspective is is a good thing. You know, I, I mean, obviously bringing in Lucas was a great hire. He's a great recruiter. He's a he's a good basketball mind. I think you have to, you know, you have to open yourself up to to different things that are going to help your team. And if, if that's going outside of, you know, what Coach K might have done, then you do that. And I think, I don't think anyone should ever, you know, have an issue with him bringing in the best people for the job, regardless of whether or not they went to Duke. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Josh and I at Media Day talked to Mike Bray, you know, that's Mr. Final Four. He was with us for years, you know, obviously that was early on. We didn't have a, you know, K didn't have a wide network of alumni already at that point but still i mean that was huge for us yeah what do you go to six That's seven and nine right seven and or nine he was go? there for all of them i don't know if he was there for he might not have been on the 86 for that like one. run yeah, yeah that first one yeah um, and on the subject of uh jay lucas you know he was responsible or at least partially responsible uh, uh for our defense last year and shire has actually you know said that publicly so it's not just me speculating um and I thought our defense looked really different kind of schematically. I don't know if that was all Jay or what, but, you know, uh, Dildy, I believe, has um, an offensive kind of acumen or repertoire. So if we could kind of get the Jay Lucas of offense in here, that would mm-hmm. be interesting. Yeah, and he's uh, he's also worked with big men. He worked with uh, Ryan Young. So that's, uh, you know, that's a nice little uh, nice. feather in his cap as well. And obviously, you guys know he, you know, was at Northwestern for a bit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and he's you know he he has been a major player himself. I mean, he was what all Ohio Valley Conference selection when he was a senior. So you know the guy knows how to play. So the guy knows the game. You know, and and he apparently came highly recommended from from Collins as well. And he worked with Porter Moser as well. So you know he's got a he's got a resume. He's he's a I think he's someone that can actually make a difference. And you know, obviously when you hire coaches, you want to hire guys. I think Kay said this that aspire to be head coaches as well. And, uh, you know, obviously Lucas at some point is going to move on, you know, he's, he's, he's a star, you know, so, you know, hopefully you can keep, you know, a couple of these guys around and move up a little bit. So it's, it, I think it's sowing seeds for the future as well. Yeah. I, I really like too, that it gives us, um, it gives us internal exposure to like a lot of different play styles because kind of in college basketball conferences can kind of like adapt to a certain mm-hmm. way of playing. And then there's some within that, that makes it up a little bit, but with, with uh, Jay, you got coming from Kentucky, been at Texas. So he's seen some of that. Now you get Oklahoma Northwestern. So some, you know, what is that? Big 12, big 10 kind of influence there to see could be interesting to see what kind of recruiting pipelines might kind of prop up out there in the Midwest. Who knows? Um, I think right now, I don't know if they've made an official statement, Brian, you might know this or not. I know they have two spots that they can hire. 
it sounds like this might be the only one though. Has anyone heard anything about a potential to fill that second slot? No, other than what Shire said that he, he may not, but other than that, no, I haven't heard much in terms of that at all. Yeah. Media day. He definitely said that, um, that he, it, it, to me reading between the lines, it sounded like he wasn't going to, but no. that was just the kind of tone of his response there. Yeah, well, maybe we'll get a little tease. I know the uh, we're recording this uh, July 31st on a Monday, so I know tomorrow they've teased Quinn Cook, I think, is coming on the Brotherhood podcast. Yep. That would be a guy. I know I just said how much I love going outside of it, but if we're staying in-house, that's a guy that I would love to have back in Durham. Um, obviously, I think he wants to continue playing. He's young enough to still be able to do that, so hopefully that pans out. But uh, down the road, I would imagine that Quinn Cook would make like one hell of a recruiter, right? Oh, um, especially on those in homes, like he could definitely seal that. Um, all right, well, let's take a, a short kind of break here for a second, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming season and the new recruits. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, so we've talked a little bit about uh, Shire's first season, um, kind of Brian's introduction to Duke and creation of Duke Blogger. Let's look at the 23-24 season. So we have a big freshman class coming in, three main returners uh, or three main frosts that returned. Jeremy Roach comes back for his senior year. Super deep team on paper here. Um, The play style obviously is going to be a little bit different. Brian, what are you looking for in this? Kind of break it down for me and what you're looking for from from the freshmen and then from the sophomores, and then talk to me a little bit about Jeremy Roach. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think Shire mentioned this. They want to play fast, and I think they have the uh, the guard depth to be able to do that. I think they have a lot of guys that are you know high IQ guys that uh, are going to be careful with the ball, make the right plays, and I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think this year's team, you know, will shoot a lot better. <laughs> I think uh, hope so. At least on paper, yeah. <laughs> on paper, they have they have much better uh, shooting. I think Proctor, having been there a while, will you know now. I think getting there, being able to have an off season, you know, will be a much better shooter than he showed this past season. And obviously, he's just a fun kid to watch. You know, yeah. But uh, as far as the freshmen go, I think um, McCain has been my favorite high school player for a number of years. Even before Duke got involved, I was following this kid and. He's one of the guys I just cannot wait to see how he does in the ACC. He's just he's he's a fun kid to watch play. Mm, yeah, uh, he's got a lot of buzz recently too about just this. And I didn't realize that like dude's got some trunks for legs, yeah, right? Like he them. is like he does not skip leg day for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, if, I don't know if you ever watched the documentary that uh, Nick and the Cut did with him. It's it's a still ongoing thing, but uh, his workout insane i mean he i would say he works harder than some pros i mean this kid gets it i mean he is he's there early and then does his workout then did his high school team's workout you know after that he drive two hours to his other workout i mean this kid is his body is phenomenal he is going he's not he's not a kid that's going to get knocked off of his spot at all 
Mm, yeah. And he, guy, I mean, I know they use that term wired to score way too often, but this kid is, he gets it. I mean, he can put the ball in the hole. If he gets on a run, he, he could score 10, 15 points easy. I mean, he's just that good. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that he has Tyrese there to kind of mentor him a little bit because Proctor's talked a little bit about like, it took him a little while to really like fully commit defensively. And I think once we saw that he became one of the best perimeter defenders in the country last year, I think if you're Jared McCain, that's maybe that next step, right? Like to, okay, now I can prove that I can shut down my guy. Now I can be, um, you know, an on ball kind of defensive threat out there. Uh, and so hopefully there's some mentoring going on with that too. It also seems to be the guys are really hitting the weight rooms. I don't know, Brian, you've probably seen some of the videos, some of the pictures, um, Mark Mitchell looks massive right now. And some of these reports saying he's kind of six, nine, maybe creeping six, 10. Um, what are you looking for out of a guy like that? The Swiss army knife can play with anybody, uh, kind of played a little bit out of position last year for me at the three, I think kind of sliding him down to that four is going to do wonders, um, for him and for Duke. But what are you looking for out of Mark Mitchell? Uh, definitely. I want to see. You know, an expanded offensive game from him because I think he has that potential. I mean, I'm happy with him shooting those corner threes that he did so well, but I would just love to see some actions that get him in the middle of the lane. You know, I'd love to see some 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 slashing from him offensively because I mean, you know, he's a guy that can just dunk over, and he's I think he has the belief in his body now that he can do that. I think a little bit, it's a little bit hesitant toward the beginning of the year last year, I think, but I think towards the middle to end of the year, I think he started to sort of believe in his athleticism a little bit. And I think coming into this season, stronger, bigger, more confident, I'd just love to see him, you know, be a more dominant power forward almost. I, I would think with the shooting we're going to have this year, that that's going to allow him to to really make some cuts and get in the paint, like you were saying, slash and really, you know, last year was kind of clogged up. You got Lively and Flip kind of hanging around in that in that painted area. So spreading the floor this year I, I look for him to to really score that way a lot i mean we've even got ryan young out here shooting threes in these videos right so that tells me that he might not be doing that a lot like i'm not ready to say you know over under on you know two attempts a game for ryan young from three but it, what it does say to me is that spacing is going to be paramount and that yeah. if you are going to play and you're going to be out here on the top of the key and they leave you open you have to take the shot regardless of whether you make it you have to take it um, and so I think we even saw that a little bit last year from Lively once he started to get a little more comfortable. Granted, he didn't make a ton of them, but just the willingness to shoot that shot, especially in the corner of that top of the key there, um, it's going to be huge for a guy like Mark Mitchell to be able to get in that middle, um, do a lot of damage there at the nail. Well, let's kind of talk about the the old man on campus here. The uh, I don't know disrespect to Jalen Blake's too, but the main kind of whole carryover, I guess, from K. Jeremy Roach comes back for year four. There's been a little bit of uncertainty around that. Folks didn't know if he was going to go after last year, going to kind of pursue a professional career, um, decides to come back. What are you making of this, Brian? I mean, this is the kid who came in kind of right during COVID. That 21 season was definitely one to forget for Duke fans. Um, then turns around, makes a Final Four, and was like really critical in the tournament and getting to a Final Four. Uh, played really well down the stretch last season. Where where does Roach fit on this roster, and what do you see like his role? Yeah, I mean, I, I think every team needs that you know that grizzled veteran who's been through it all, and he's been through it all. Be it you know Final Fours, injuries, COVID season, he has 
a wealth of knowledge that these guys can, you know, can, can pick his brain with. And I think on the floor, I think he's a guy that's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And I think, you know, coming in healthy, although I think his, maybe his usage will be a little lower, which I think may yeah. end up being better for him to show what he can do. I think this is a season where he can sort of prove himself. I mean, obviously he could have gone into the G league and, and done that route, but that's a tough route to go. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it's not all, you know, private jets and, 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 you know, <laughs> great meals. So I yeah, think it's bull Durham down there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this, you know, this is a year for him to show what he can do, you know, be healthy, be on a team with a lot of shooters, a lot of space for him to operate. I think this is probably a better team for him to be on. Honestly. I like that. And I don't want to use like, I'm not like being derogative or calling him this, that, but I like that. He talks a lot of trash. Um, and like we, we saw Jeremy at media days, super nice guy, like kind of quiet, but on the court, you can see it. You can see him chirping. Um, uh, me and she were at the Carolina game. You could definitely see him looking at fans, looking at players, I love that. Um, he's quick to toss the ball back at you. you know? He's got some of that MF or in him, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think some other guys on the team kind of feed on that, like Flip and Tyrese even start to kind of get into it. Um, I think he's going to be really good. I, I think the biggest question is, and we talked a little bit about this um, the, like the other week or so, but Brian, do you think he's going to be the lone captain like last year? Or do you see maybe one of those Frost kind of joining him? Or I guess they're sophomores now joining him. Do you see a Ryan Young jumping into that conversation? Or do you think this is just Roach's mantle to carry one more year solo? That's a tough one. I mean, I'd like to see Ryan Young become a captain. And I'd, I'd like to see he and Roach sort of, you know, be those guys. And I can even see Shire, you know, adding a a, Ty- a Proctor or a... Uh, or a, or a flip just to put them in a position, you know, where they feel like they're a leader. So it, it can go a lot of different ways with it, but um, I don't, I don't think there's a wrong way to go. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if we've talked, if I've really, if we've kind of hit on it as much role, shoot, do y'all have a preference for that? I, mean, or do you dude, that? I know Ryan Young, like from everything I heard, like the guys love him. Like he's yeah. really respected within the team. So um, smart player. I, I would not have a problem with Ryan Young. Or just like Brian said, uh, a flip or a proctor, just to give them that little bit of confidence. Like, hey, you belong here. You know, we want you to be vocal and lead these guys out on the floor because those are the the guys that are going to be playing a lot of minutes, you know. I wonder if he avoids giving a captainship to a sophomore just to not single one of them out. You know, if it was one, I think it would be Proctor simply because he's been here all summer and he's apparently kind of taken up the leadership mantle pretty well. So but I, I could just see him preferring to just stick with uh, two seniors. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say the same exact thing as if it is one, I hope it's Proctor. Um, but I don't like, cause if you do, if, if he gets it, then you have two other ones. And at a certain point, you know, you have too many kind of captains, right? You really kind of want three is probably the max. The reason I would say I would throw my hat in for Proctor is cause I just, and not that he has to be made captain for this. I kind of want it to be clear that, and this is just me talking on what I want to see. This is kind of his team a little bit in terms of like, I'm the, I'm going to initiate what we're doing. I'm getting us into our sets. I'm point of attack on defense. Um, and you don't have to like be named a captain, but I think most of us that have been following this for a long time, I go back to Bobby Hurley coming onto campus and Kay kind of taking the ball and giving it to Bobby and saying, this is your team. And Waitner talked about it. That pissed me off. That pissed him off. You know, it, got, it made me mad. But it was an intentional ploy of like, nah, this is, we're going to just, we're going to roll with this kid. 
Um, and kind of similar, and I kind of talked about it last year, but similarly, John kind of gave Proctor the keys there for a little bit, not to the same extent that Bobby was handed the the engine here, but he let him play through a lot of mistakes. You know, he let him kind of figure it out. Um, and typically when you see that, year two is usually something special. So I got pretty high expectations for for Proctor myself. Um, just great size, great feel, great experience of played in different leagues. Um, so I think he's going to probably one of the be the best guards in the country. Um, let's talk briefly because we haven't really touched on him yet. Let's talk about Caleb Foster. This is another guy, big guard, can score at all three levels. Um, I don't want to use the word underrated, but his passing might be underrated in terms of like what you see from that position. He's played some point guard, can kind of get into some of these early videos. He's had some really nice passes. What do you make of Caleb Foster, Brian? What are you looking for out of him? Yeah, so one thing I noticed about Caleb <clears throat> following him in high school was that like when he first sort of busted on the scene, he was more of a pass guard. He was more of a uh, you know typical pass first point guard. And I think later in his career in high school, he started to really you know become this offensive like powerhouse. And I think you know I'm actually writing an article on this right now is that uh, those skills that he learned early aren't disappearing. He's just now augmenting it with these you know, this great offensive explosion and this, this like role as a, as an offensive leader, at least he did in high school. I think coming into this, this season, he's going to be the guy that's probably Mr. Versatile in the backcourt. Cause I mean, he can play either guard position strong. You know, he's a, he's a half, you know, he's a pretty darn good shooter as well. And, uh, and he's, yeah, like you said, he's very underrated as a passer. And I think that's going to surprise some people at, you know, six, four, six, five, whatever he is. He's uh, he sees the floor very, very well. And, he makes a smart play. I mean, I don't know if you guys caught him at the uh, uh, the game where he went against Bronny, where he just took over that game. I mean, he yep. he was just phenomenal. I mean, yeah, they could not stop the kid. I think he took the McDonald's game snub a little personal on that one, Ray, and just kind of was like, "I'm going at this dude." Um, well, and I don't want to, you know, talk about everybody and leave guys out. TJ Power, Sean Stewart, they're also part of this class. Um, we've seen and heard about some of the prolific shooting coming from TJ. Sean looks to be kind of a freak athlete around the ring. He, he really reminds me a little bit, and just in these clips of like a Bam Adebayo at that level, right? Just six nine, able to kind of give you a little bit of creation, a little bit of passing, wants to dunk everything. Um, what do you like about Sean Stewart or TJ? Well, I'll start with TJ. Obviously, you mentioned his shooting. You know, he's an excellent shooter. I mean, that's it's the part of his game to me that stands out aside from just he's kind of a dog. You know, he's he's a guy that he may not, you know, growl at you or or smile at you, but he's a guy that, you know, gets on the floor and he's a, you know, he's he's a he's a tough guy. So I think for him coming in, I think if he can, you know, get past the physicality of the ACC and he can, you know, measure up to that. I think he's going to have a great, great season, but I think it's just, it might take him a little bit like it did for uh, Filipowski. It's going to be a physical, you know, task to, to come into the ACC and, tr- and sort of be a, what is he going to be a small forward slash power forward guy? Probably. Yeah. And so yeah. there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a transition period. But I think once he can get past that, I think he's going to be, one heck of a player. And if they, if they can keep him for two or three years, he's, he's going to be a gold mine and the kid can shoot. Mm. He's just, yeah. Talented, talented kid. What about Sean Stewart? What do you, what do you make of him? 
Yeah, again, freak athlete. The guy can, like you said, he wants to dunk everything. And I think for him coming in on this team especially, his offense doesn't have to be there necessarily. He can take his time. He can just be a guy that rebounds, you know, a guy that boxes out, a guy that can trigger the break. You know, if he can do all that stuff, he's going to be just fine. I don't think he's going to have any issues with playing in the ACC as far as physicality goes. I think, you know, his father, you know, has, has sought to it that he's, you know, he's ready for this sort of a, sort of a jump in his, um, in, in his level of play. So I think Stewart's going to be just fine. I think he's going to be a better defender than, than some might think. I think the guy's going to block everything. I mean, not, not to the level of a lively, but I think he's going to go after every shot that goes up. And I think that's perfect for what Duke needs from needs him to do. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be chasing them, right? Especially off that help side. Him and Mark probably are going to be doing a lot of backline stuff there. Um, we're going to need that. It's going to be a, a totally different look. Uh, so we've talked about several of these guys, the new guys, some of the old guys. Um, if we can assume, now that we know what that means, but if we can assume that we're returning four starters, so Roach and the three sophomore or three of the sophomores and Proctor Mitchell and Filipowski, who do you like to to slide in as that fifth starter with that group? You go older with Ryan Young. You like one of the guards, McCain or Foster. You like Stewart there. Where do you lean? Uh, for me, I think you start off with Young. You know, I, I think you let those one of those freshmen earn that spot over time. You know, because I think Young's a guy that's not going to get. You know, he's not going to be off put by losing his minutes. I think he's. You know, I think he knows his role on this team. And I think if you can get the freshman a little time to, you know, get accustomed to the, to the, you know, the, the heightened level of play, the, the better for this team. So I think you start off with young, you know, hopefully you can slide in maybe, um, I guess you'd want to go, that's tough, a third guard. I kind of like McCain coming off the bench. For Me too. Maybe, maybe, maybe you bring Foster in. I, I think he's, uh, you know, he's, you're not losing much height there. He's he's got height. He's a decent defender. Yeah, yeah. I, I go eventually Foster. Yeah, that's, that's what we, yeah. we've been saying that because of Foster's height. I just don't think you can have Roach, McCain, and Proctor. I just think that's a little too small, one through three. But if you have Foster in there, he's six five. We've seen him in person. Shu and I. He's big. He's big. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's built too. Um, yeah. That's basically my idea. And I like the way you articulated it of maybe you start with young because there's not going to be a pride or ego thing there. And you really make one of these guys earn it, whether that's a power or a Stewart kind of going a little bit bigger. Um, I, I do like Foster, but mainly because of what you said, I like McCain being that kind of super six man that can come in. You can slide him in really one through three if you need to. Um, can just reset the tone, get you a quick bucket, kind of get into some stuff. You can even let him come in and run the team as the backup point guard. Um, a lot of different options, and we haven't even really talked about Jalen Blake, Jaden Shute, Christian Reeves. All of these guys seem to factor in somewhere this year. Um, now, John said we're not going 12 deep, and it's probably going to be nine deep is what I would say, maybe 10. I personally think a good solid eight is the best. And then you have like those nine and 10 guys just kind of matchup dictating it, foul trouble dictating it, getting minutes here or there. 
Um, but it's going to be interesting. It's really deep. No, no guys lost to the portal this year, which is pretty impressive. Um, so we'll see what happens. Last thing, just kind of going off that for you, Brian, what is your kind of thoughts on this whole transport transfer portal stuff? Um, how Duke's kind of using it. Shire was talking to us about wanting to still use high school recruiting as the primary kind of driving force here. The the portal has kind of turned into the Wild West with NIL. Where, where do you see this doing to the landscape of college basketball? Yeah, for me, <clears throat> and I don't know if this is, you know, John's thinking as well, but I don't think you can sustain a college basketball program if you're trying to build a culture at that institution by using the portal that much. I mean, if you're filling a spot here and there, I understand it, but I think a lot of what brings college or high school kids into your programs is trust and relationships. And if you're saying to to a high school kid, well, relationships are fine, but I'd rather just go grab this guy that I know has been in, you know, the wars for however many years over these three or four years that I've talked to you. I think it shows what your priorities are. And I think John is trying to build for more than just the instant gratification of a guy who can come in and, and fill a slot right away. So I think building a program to sustain year after year, you have to recruit. Recruiting is always going to be the pipeline for that, I think. Yeah. I think the pros and cons of, you know, I'm kind of pro not having to sit out a year if you're a player, but I think if you're on the coaching side of things, I think you might would be a little more willing to go get more than a role player type to in that if you know that okay i go get a rodney hood i go get a seth curry i go get a dante jones they practice with us they do everything that we're doing for a year then they're ready to go that next year um now the way things are it can be a little tricky you know and what you're getting what the message sends um you know i think it can work we've seen it at wake what kind of they've done a little bit is just to kind of bring in one of these like super old heady guards that can just run your team and you can do high ball screens with them and they can pretty much put up 28 and eight on you or whatever, you know, and it's kind of worked maybe not tournament wise so far, but it's kind of worked. But then you've seen some of these others where six of their top eight guys are all transfers. And that I think might turn into a little bit of a, a slippery slope there, but, uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Last thing I got for you, just because we were talking about this a little bit offline, what's your concern or panic meter right now on conference realignment and what that might do to a Duke? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I've I've tried to avoid thinking about it because, you know, <clears throat> it's the it's the one time that Duke isn't really in in control of their own destiny right now. I mean, a lot of teams went out of the ACC. That money's huge, and I get it. You know, I'm a traditionalist for the most part, and I'd like to see you know everything every you know things stick together and just you know, but you know, money, cash rules everything around me, right? So it's. Mm. Get it. I just don't know where that would leave Duke because I don't think Duke alone can sustain NACC, you know, just Duke and then, you know, a couple of, you know, Wake Forest. I mean, it's just not going to work. So I don't know if that means Duke has to be proactive and look or I, I just don't know. It's it's tough. It's It's really the Wild West right now. And I'm wondering, too, if there's any like. I think maybe for fans, we might have assumed that that would be, but I don't know from the business side, it probably isn't. But do you think Duke and Carolina would be a package deal in that scenario? Or could this turn into a Louisville and Kentucky type of situation? It very could. I mean, again, I'm definitely not an expert on this stuff because I mean, a lot of it's driven by 
football, which is just not my, you know, area. And I don't know how attractive Duke is as a football team. I mean, I know they're obviously things are trending upward. You know, they got a lot of uh, of juice right now. I just don't mm-hmm. know. But, you know, do they fit in somewhere like the SEC or, you know, or some, you know, the big 12? It just, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I, just, I don't see a fit there. So it's just, it's tough. I don't know. Yeah. Or you just form a conference of all basketball schools, like, you know. But you go join the Big Villanova. East. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it seems like this is happening like five years too early for Duke. Like yeah, Duke goes yeah. building something, but he needs a few more years to really get it to like national prominence. Exactly. So if they can do something this year, maybe, you know, something out of pocket that people don't expect, maybe that makes, you know, Duke as an institution more attractive, but no, yeah. no kind of branding and is going to put them on a SEC level this early. It's just not, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, long ways to go on that, but it's pretty depressing to think about Duke and Carabana playing like MSG in November or December in some meaningless game. Um, that would be a that would or be a no pretty ACC hard at all, right? Like I don't yeah. know, it's weird to me. It's all of our childhoods just gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's my childhood is my dad's childhood, right? It would yeah. be my grandpa's childhood. Like all of it would be kind of out there. That'd be you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm still a little optimistic that these things kind of just tend to work themselves out, but certainly the, where there's smoke, there's fire. So, um, we'll kind of we'll stay tuned on that, but, uh, Brian, we're going to thank you again for kind of coming on here. I'm going to give you a minute to kind of plug what you got going on, plug your site, tell the people where they can find you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, you can find me at dukeblogger.com. Uh, this week, um, I'll start releasing my, uh, visions for, Duke basketball this uh, this season, starting with the freshmen, a uh, little series I'm calling, you know, Caleb Foster and what he brings to the table. And I'm going to do that for every freshman and hopefully uh, every upperclassman as well. So uh, that should be coming out soon. Nice, nice. Very nice. Um, anything else any of y'all guys got going on? Any news? Any excitement? Nothing on the nothing on the radar, huh? Waiting on these kids to go back to school. So my traffic is nice. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Preach that. Oh, minor out of school, thankfully. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very nice. Um, well, again, Brian, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Um, you know, y'all can find us in all the usual places. Rate, review, subscribe. You can email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. You can find us on the boards at thedevilsden.com. Um, been a pretty big summer for us. We're going to keep trying to fill the slate here with a few guests and, uh, we'll start to trickle into some preview stuff at some point to ourselves. Um, the season's kind of right around the corner here as August, as August is upon us. So in the meantime, keep the faces strong in the verve high. Go do. Dude.